Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 354 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday, June 19th, heading into Monday, June 20th. And I am joined, as often, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. How are you? Redford, I have missed you. Uh, the Braves have actually lost a baseball game, so I'm allowed to be on the podcast again. So I'm pretty <laughs> excited about that. I was actually like going to just say, Scott, sorry. You, you, it was more like Scott couldn't be on the pod. Um, but uh, I had to do a little bit of traveling, so I appreciate you guys holding down the fort uh, while I was you know, handling stuff the last couple of weeks. But it's good to be back. I, I love talking baseball with you. Yeah, you and I haven't talked uh, in this form in about a month. Four, it was four weeks ago, to, uh, four weeks ago, basically, when we when you and I did a pod together. Uh, and then you and Scott did one, and then I did two with Scott. So uh, here we are. Um, I, I have to start with a mea culpa. Last week, I uh, it's my fault. I will take uh, I will take ownership of it. But I messed up uh, the streak stats from last week. Actually, just the just the how long it's been streak. We did a whole whole bit about it. So that's that's my fault. Occasionally, I mess something up. I will take ownership from that. I got to check stuff better. Uh, I want to say that at the top of the podcast because they they kept winning, but the streak actually was not as long as I thought it was, even when they won more when they won more games. So that's on me, Eric. When you're not here, things go awry. My apologies. Yeah, that that that's me. No noted stat checker. Like I was, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like like I would have possibly looked at a a, a well. I mean, and this is probably a bad idea anyway. Looking at a Dave O'Brien tweet and then saying, you know, yep, that must be right. So. You know, things my fault, my fault, and my fault only. So we'll leave it there. I just wanted to listen. We, we could have ignored it, but uh, I wanted to say out loud, I messed that up. But with that said, obviously the headliner of the week was the wing streak kept going, and then it finally ended at 14. Um, still a heck of a run, and of course they lost two games in a row after that, which we'll talk about in a second. And then they won today on Sunday as we're recording this. Uh, Eric, we'll get into some of the numbers later on in the show of this winning streak, but um, since I haven't talked to you about it, uh, do you have any broad takeaways from the Braves being unbeatable for two weeks? Well, I mean, the offense just turning into an absolute monster. I mean, they, they even had games throughout the streak where, like, the pitching wasn't particularly good, but it didn't really matter because they are putting up eight runs a game, right? Like, there's the, the balls were jumping, out, jumping out of the park. It seems like that as things have warmed up, slash, they started using different balls again, you know, put on whatever tinfoil hat conspiracy that you want to, you know, you, you choose to believe in as to what's been going on. But, you know, they started being able to hit balls out of the park, and they were getting a lot of help from a lot of different parts of the lineup, particularly the bottom of the lineup. You know, even when Ronnie, he, you know, this past week, he wasn't particularly great. But, you know, when you're getting contributions from Adam Duvall, obviously my other adult son, Michael Harris, is coming up and he's starting to hit really well. Uh, you know, just everyone's contributing here and there. You know, when, you know, three guys are off, the only, guy, only guys that haven't been particularly good are Marcelo Zuna uh, and Matt Olson, and he was even pretty good today. So those aren't two guys, I mean, well, in Olson's case, he's one I'm not worried about. Uh, and in Ozuna's case, I'm, you know, quietly hoping that, that this turns out to be, this is a way to get him off the roster. But overall, you know, the, the, the lineup has been very good and they, you know, when the, when the top of the lineup gives you, you know, two hits and they still score 10 runs, it's great. Obviously Danby's on a run. So, you know, the pitching has been a bit off and on in terms of like being really consistent, but it hasn't mattered just because the offense has been so good. Yeah, basically. I mean, even then the pitching numbers have been really good for the month of June, which is basically the winning streak plus a couple more games. And um, it's not always been like, perfect but when it hasn't been perfect they've scored a lot of runs and that's uh, obviously how you line it up to when you win a bunch of games and we'll get into the schedule stuff as well it was a soft schedule as we talked about a lot before during and after but you still have to win the games and they won all the games um we'll come back to that in a second i, I do want to just kind of breeze through the news real quickly at the top of the show um still really nothing on ozzy albie's like recovery um he had surgery announced on wednesday 
we knew it was coming last time we talked to Scott on the show. We've had the, uh, of course, the breaking news. Um, you know, Sean Coleman carried some breaking news for us as well. I think you were on that show talking about Ozzy. Um, and, you know, surgery happened. That's a good thing. He's on 60, 60 day IL. That's what we kind of know at this point. Unless you're at something that I haven't, we're kind of just all just guessing. And the assumption is going to be that he's back by the end of the season. But uh, it's a little weird that they haven't even like pretended to give a timeline. Um, that's not usually what happens in this in this instance. But maybe because they they were allowed to keep it as fuzzy as possible, they were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, the only announcements that I saw was that it was to stabilize the fracture, and that could mean yep. any number of things, right? Like, you know, it just means that they wanted to go in there and just make sure that everything healed correctly. Now, that doesn't tell us how displaced the fracture was, if there was any other repair they had to do beyond just the simple let's just make sure that these the bones are aligned correctly and that that can change a recovery team timetable widely and we're not going to hear about that i don't think until we have to uh, i would expect that at the very minimum like a couple weeks until we start hearing you know like hey you know ozzy's doing this you know he's walking around now in a boot or whatever he's just gonna he's gonna they're gonna keep him off of that and they're gonna probably do more scans and kind of see how everything's healing before we find out every information broken bones are weird is the short is the short version it's not like you know there's a, a it's not like an achilles which is like a very clear this is what the timetable is it's not you know when you break something it's, it just depends on how badly it's broken and you know how much work they had to do to get it right and you know, how much concern they have that it's going to heal correctly and how quickly it is healing. So I don't expect to hear anything for a little while just because of the nature of the injury. Yeah, I, uh, that's kind of, especially when nobody's seemingly pressed them too much on it. And look, uh, they've, they've gotten quality performance from Orlando Arcia um, in that role. I actually would recommend we have a uh, sort of a new initiative on the podcast network with Chris Willis and Stephen Tolbert talking. Um, hopefully what's going to be a weekly show with uh, a name yet to be determined, but they talked a lot about Arcia and a couple other things on that show this week. I don't want to give that all away, but uh, I will just say, I tweeted this. Um, Steven sold me about as much as you possibly could on Orlando on Arcia. Our, on our I know I've been kind of a, a loud skeptic of Arcia, just based, based, basically just talking about how not good he has been, which is still factual. Nothing that I said was wrong about that, but there are some underlying changes that they talked about extensively on, on that show that are pretty intriguing for Arcia. He's been, he's been a different hitter batted ball-wise. He's still a little bit over, I think his bad bit's like 400 plus right now. Like he's going to cool off a little bit at a bare minimum, but I thought that was an interesting show. Go ahead and like sort of plug that. And uh, I guess I'll ask you now, we, we can get into RC a little bit later, but um, I mean, where are you at? Because I haven't asked you this question. Are you okay with them just kind of rolling him out there or do they have to go get somebody else to fill this uh, to fill this gap? I just not a big fan of the options they have available for him in terms of rentals. And the problem is, is that the guys that you would want as rentals, the teams that have them aren't going to sell them until close to the trade deadline. Not yet. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah it, like it's, and if they are, they're going to be asking for an actual real return as opposed to what the market price is going to be. Um, so I, I think that if they do, I wouldn't be like shocked if Orlando or is hitting like 150 and at the trade deadline, they picked up a second baseman, you know what I mean? But it's not, something that I think is imminent or anything like that. And they, their internal options are pretty limited. Phil Gosselin, who got called up, he's been hitting pretty well at AAA, but we kind of know what he is. He's, you know, he's, this isn't his first run with the Braves and he's, you know, he'll, he'll hit a bit. Uh, he can field a little bit. Um, and they have, uh, uh, you know, like the Kramer Robertsons and the Pat Valaikas of the world, which are, you know, basically quad A players that <laughs> frankly aren't particularly exciting. At the end of the day, when, you have a guy like Ozzy who's an all-star second baseman. You just kind of want someone who's literally not going to mess anything up too much. So as long as Orlando Arcia is like not butchering balls at second base and hitting okay, then I it's 
the, the Braves just don't have the assets in the minor league system to really go make a move that they would really want to at the trade deadline for that type of player. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, if you're hoping for Adam Frazier or something like that, uh, I don't expect that deal to happen until, you know, right at the trade deadline. Yeah. And as I sort of alluded to, even last week, um, before we knew anything other than, you know, what actually happened to Ozzy, um, the depth of the lineup gives them a lot of flexibility. Like, even if you assume that Arcia comes back to earth, like, it's actually not that big of a deal if you have one guy in the lineup like that who could play. I mean, he's fine defensively at second. Um, with, you know, when you're worst hitter in the lineup, the guy who's hitting ninth is Michael Harris. <laughs> right now like you're in pretty good shape okay strong uh, disagree that he's he's the worst guy in the lineup but i but you know what i mean like the way they're actually treating him in terms of like hitting him ninth obviously i i think michael harris is better here than Arcia. um but you know what i mean like it, there's not really a hole in the lineup anywhere um and maybe rc maybe rca becomes a hole in the lineup but yeah there are days when you might not be thrilled with adam duvall or you might not be thrilled with whatever but like you can afford i know the braves have just basically been loaded and been hitting the cover off the ball for a while but most teams even good teams have one spot in the lineup that's like not great and that's okay like you could actually get away with that for a while because of how, how good deep lineup is yeah absolutely and you know again there are certainly some guys who are frustratingly streaky um sure is the best best way i know how to describe it but I mean, it might it might time day. out poorly too i mean that's that's one of the things like yeah. you, you sort of mentioned it like what if rc has a has a cold streak if that is accompanied by a dansby cold streak and adam duvall cold streak or whatever like it there could be time it happened this year even there'll be times when there's like a whole quadrant of the lineup that's just like dead like that that's yeah, like like the, first, like, like, like the first two months of the season <laughs> yeah so i mean obviously there's a little bit of uh picking and choosing there like right now it's like you know when your only guy struggling, like you mentioned, are, are Ozuna and Matt Olson, it feels okay. And Matt Olson's coming alive now, it seems. But yeah, I I, I both think that Arcia is probably going to be better than I thought he was going to be. And also, uh, it's fine. Like he can play defense for two months, two, three months. We'll see. Uh, and that'll be all right. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. The, the timing is not great because if this happened, obviously can't choose that. But if it happened in July, um, it's easier to replace. Now, obviously, you'd rather have it earlier to have him back earlier. But, you know, give and take a little bit on that run um elsewhere on the news front um colin McHugh came back from covid and jacob webb who had just come back um was dfa again so that was a little bit of a musical chairs with jacob webb poor, was, he, poor, was he in the organization <laughs> poor 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 jacob webb <laughs> he, he came I back and was gone him. again it's okay um yeah i, I do too but uh, you know maybe he'll come back again i mean there's a long line as you well know of these guys that um seem to be coming around the braves forever and ever like and just Chavez is another one like he's just like oh they brought they brought they brought Travis, Travis back and uh they're just guys that seem to be hey phil goslin sean, sean newcomb reunion tour yeah, sean newcomb too. obviously he was dfa'd recently uh yeah all this all that say jacob webb hello and goodbye um Last thing before we start getting into the baseball this week, uh, a lot of, I will always say I have no insight on this. So this is going to be an Eric Cole segment, but um, there was a lot of attention paid to the fan graphs prospect list this week. Um, and I think that is a good time to tee you up on that. And what else, whatever else you'd like to talk about in Eric's minor league minute this week. Um, I will say uh, I only tangentially understand the minor league system right now, but um, I'll say this as an outsider point of view on the minor leagues, it does feel like there is a lot of, meh in the system right now especially when you view michael harris and spencer strider as major leaguers which is where they now are and probably will be moving forward um so i'll say that as that's my perception so i wanted to know what you thought of the list and also like system overall because obviously you guys talk about a road to atlanta all the time but people that don't necessarily dive into the minor league stuff where are we at at the moment 
Well, if you're just looking at overall strength, the system isn't very good at all. It's one of the probably the top, the bottom, I'm sorry, not the top, the bottom four systems in the league would be my guess. I had to really look at it to kind of really kind of verify that. Um, in terms of the fan graph list, I have to be careful here because I've uh, gotten myself in trouble and uh, have had lengthy internet battles that I'm frankly not particularly proud of myself that I had over fan graph prospect lists. No need. Uh, I, will say, I will say that largely that the issues that I would have are – uh, are of personal preference, like, you know, just flipping a few guys here and there. Uh, it did feel a little bit like the list was made a, while, uh, a little while ago and it just hadn't been published yet. This is also uh, not a situation where it was. I remember the, the famous one from years and years ago. This is yeah. a different, this is a different Fangrass regime that's more respectable, let's oh, just I, say. <laughs> lo- well, <laughs> we, we can get into why that happened. But um, I will say that I normally love, I love Eric Longenhagen. So I'm not, this is, this, you will not find hatred towards me, towards whatsoever. Uh, yes. I will say though, um, I think that putting Geraldo Quintero in the top 10 is borderline indefensible. But beyond that, I think it's a lot of his personal preferences flipping guys here and there. Uh, and I do think that the, the list is, um, it, it just felt like it had been written a little bit a, a while ago, didn't have the most updated information. So that, that just what, kind of what it felt like to me. But at the end of the day, prospect lists ultimately don't matter all that much, especially when we're talking about guys, you know, this isn't like a, you know, there's like this like hidden 62, 60, you know, future value guy that just got completely missed or something like that. It's about, you know, like these, you know, these forties that are, you know, do you like him a little bit better than being a 40? Is he a 40 plus or a 45 or whatever? So it's just, it, it's all comes down to, you know, what you like out of players and all of that. So uh, overall, I think that like when our list comes out, once you account for Harris and Strider's graduations, it's going to look very, very close to that, uh, which kind of tees me up to where I, I'm, reasonably confident about this is that the top prospect when you look at once those graduations happened is Vaughn Grissom and he has had himself a week Bradley um he played six games last week he had 16 hits including a game where he hit two grand slams and they were in back-to-back innings now I will preface this by saying that they were playing in Asheville which is a very both bad team and a very hitter-friendly ballpark and everyone in Rome was absolutely raking however when you get five doubles and then two grand slams out of one of your the prospects in your system that has one of the best hit tools and he's also stealing bases and he's walking a ton not striking out a lot that is a positive development so i i'm i'm not going to try to project too much about what's going to happen once the draft happens and you know what the system's going to look like and how everyone's playing but if you're looking for an early front runner who's going to be the top prospect in the system once graduations and all that stuff happens it's vaughn because he had a bit of a rough month of May, but beyond that, he has been quite good. Uh, I'm not, I am not convinced at all that he sticks at shortstop. But that's an entirely different conversation, but the guy can hit. Yeah, obviously I'll leave the uh, positional stuff to you, but I'll, I'll just mention if people may not know, he's a 21 year old shortstop at the moment. Um, it, it was, he's in high A at the moment. Yeah, he's in high A, right? Yes. Yep. Um, and uh, oddly enough, played on, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm sure if I'm wrong, I'm going to shout it at uh, his his high school teammate just got called up to the majors because he was on the same team with Riley Green. That's one of the reasons they had eyeballs on him because everyone was kind of looking at Riley Green as it turns out this, you know, when he was playing on the same team, turns out he could hit too and he ended up getting himself drafted. Yeah. Um, 11th round pick in 2019. Um, obviously yep, going yep. Uh, quite well on that selection so far, but yeah, I got to keep an eye on, I will claim no information on Mongrisson, but I trust you. So uh, there you go. And my, my follow-up was going to be in snarky uh, in a snarky way. Um, so he's, ne- he's next year's opening day shortstop when Nancy believes, but I'll, Oh boy! Well, I have we have some thoughts, and we'll talk a little bit about Dansby because uh, Ivan and I uh, got together on an article again, and we talked a little bit about Dansby. But the short answer is no, that's not going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> I had to troll you a little bit on that. Okay. Uh, with that out of the way, we will get into some baseball. So obviously relate to this because, you know, Sean covered it all and all that stuff, but they, they sweep the nationals for this week and we'll hit the high points. Now um, they scored nine runs, 10 runs and eight runs in a row in those three games. Uh, that usually is the recipe for success. Um, they had five home runs on Monday, including the first for your beloved Michael Harris. Um, they hit five yes. more home runs on Tuesday, including another one by Michael Harris. And Arcia had a huge one. Darno hit a home run. And then Wednesday, they had a pretty insane offensive game. Once again, 14 hits, three home runs, including two by, two by Riley. Arcia was four for four with a home run. He just was obscenely hot at that point in time. And when you do that, the pitching doesn't even matter that much. I mean, they, they were okay pitching wise, nothing like terribly impressive. I mean, it was kind of a, kind of a not great max free start, but it didn't matter. Um, for instance, like I'll give the numbers a second about the whole streak, but I think Monday through Wednesday was like almost encapsulation of the streak. Cause they, they just hit everything. It didn't matter what else happened. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, we'll go ahead and just preface this by saying, yes, I am aware that the Washington nationals are a bad baseball team and that the Braves have been playing bad baseball teams during the course of the streak. However, it is important that if you were a baseball team playing against bad baseball teams, you probably should beat them. And the Braves beat basically all of them uh, with a notable exception of the Cubs, which we will get to in a little bit. So yes, I am aware that the Braves are beating bad teams. <laughs> let's talk about this. Uh, for a okay. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, talk about that. let's talk about this. So obviously I, I think most of this was like Mets fan people on Twitter. It wasn't like actually a thing that I saw too much of. Maybe there's a couple people that said other things that I missed, but uh we touched on it a few times, but just as a point of clarity, there's a reason why like the can't predict ball thing exists. Like even the best team in baseball, let's say for argument purposes, the, the Dodgers of the last half decade, if they were to play the pirates of the last half decade, every game, they wouldn't go 150 and 12. They just wouldn't, they would lose 35 <laughs> there times. Be, there, would be times. A, there would be streaks in there where they would get quote unquote swept. Three, That's what I mean. Three. I mean, they got, I mean, I think Scott said it last week, but the Dodgers got swept by the Pirates this year. That happened like two weeks ago. So, like, I understand. And listen, we were ahead of this. The three of us were ahead of this. We put, we mentioned, look, the schedule coming up is really, really, really friendly and they need to win games. And guess what, Eric? It was really friendly and they won a bunch of games. And they like, sure did. You cannot ignore the fact that it was easy schedule. Yes. But you also cannot ignore the fact that they just won every freaking game for two and a half weeks. And like, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Yes, it's easier to win that many games when you're playing bad teams. But, I mean, if you do the math on that, it doesn't matter how bad the other team is. The odds of winning 14 games in a row against the worst team in baseball every game at home. Okay, let's just say perfect, perfect scenario. Worst team in baseball at home. You're not more than an 80% favorite in that game ever. It's probably, it's probably less than that. Times 14 times. <laughs> you don't win that game 14 times in a row very often so like yep. they, they won games it is what it is it was wild to me too because like obviously the the streak did end on friday uh, yes. in a 1-0 loss where wrigley was playing like a wind tunnel well yeah it was it was wrong the, the wrong way and it was just a weirdly bizarre game and what happened there was not a large number of these people everyone i think understands that these you know it was already crazy unlikely what they did but people were complaining about the Braves offensive approach now they hate it sometimes Listen. this is coming off and this is coming <laughs> off a 14 game winning streak where they had hit 35 home runs and they had won 14 games in a row and they had ju- and they had just like beaten washington into submission and yeah listen it's actually it, it it's the example that really proves the point on Friday and, and Saturday is like, those are two examples of games 
that tell you how impressive the winning streak was. You know what I mean? Like, because so many things went wrong on Friday and Saturday. Like, that's what happens in baseball. Like, Friday's game was a perfect exact calculation. You lose one nothing. Charlie Morton has his best start of the season, but you can't score because there's a crazy sun glare and the wind is blowing directly in your face. And you lose one nothing. And the only run that came in on, on Friday score without a hit being being made. It was a walk, sack bunt, stolen base, sack fly. That was the one run of the game on Friday. Like that's it. And by the way, that's baseball. You just lose like that sometimes. It's maddening, but like that's a great it's a great example of why the winning streak was so good because they Friday's game was just like a big circle. Oh well, yeah, anyway. and like and in in one of those two games too, like the Braves had like eight batted balls where the like exit velocity was north of 102 miles an hour, and they were all outs. So like I, I just. I, I didn't sweat that stuff too much. I will say, though, uh, I do want to shout out a little bit on the Wednesday game where uh, Austin Riley uh, came out and just hit two bombs. He was about three inches from a third home run. It just it just went on the other side of the foul pole, too. Always good to see him going. Uh, he's a guy that can pretty famously go up on heaters. Uh, and uh, a little bit of a hat tip phone to my boy Spencer Strider, who's looking pretty good in that fifth row spot in the rotation, uh, striking out 11 guys in less than six innings. That's pretty tough to do. Yeah, I mean, Strider, we talked about a lot, but yeah, when you mentioned his performance, because that was the one sort of pitching highlight from that series. And uh, I, Scott pulled the numbers. I can't remember what they are now, but I'm looking at Strider in particular and his starts. And I think they have a pretty impressive, yeah, they, since he starts, since he's joined the rotation, they basically are winning. I think they're four and one when he, when he starts, something like that. So like, and that basically replaces what was a disaster of a fifth starter spot before that. So the combination of him being good and all that stuff, we're going to probably save this until later, but uh, it is not too early to start the Strider, Michael Harris, two man race for, for National League Rookie of the Year because they're both like going to be right in the mix on that. Uh, which is why uh, once, once, once the season comes, yeah, they have to kind of get some counting stats, but yeah. But even then, I mean, I'm, I was looking at it the other day, or maybe even, maybe even today, I'm pretty sure Strider currently leads all rookie pitchers in Fangraphs War, and Harris is like number four position players like they're already there <laughs> as crazy as that is they're already there yep, yep. it's kind of a, it's kind of an unimpressive rookie class which helps them but especially if they keep playing well and playing every day in harris's case yeah they're gonna be right there so um before we move on i, I just want to give the stats of the winning streak before we uh, close the door on that for for all time uh you said one of them already the 35 home runs is an, it's an insane number 14 games um they also had 29 doubles so more than two per game they slugged 569 as a team that is a ludicrous number. They had 101 runs, a 924 OPS, which is uh, uber elite, of course. They had a 152 team WRC plus, <laughs> which is wild. That's like having that's like having uh, I don't know Freddie Freeman in your lineup every night, and that, that's basically like his career number, at least his number of the last five seasons or something like that. And that's everybody in the entire team. They had 11 guys hit multiple home runs. They had nine guys with an OPS of at least 918 over that sample nine different players and by the way we said it before but they actually pitched pretty well too they had a 2.72 era as a team over that sample size with the most strikeouts in major league baseball in the month of june until the streak ended so it was a two-way impress obviously the office office was better than the the run prevention was but it was top five run prevention as well and that's high and that's by the way again what you have to do and how hard it is to win 14, 14 games in a row you have to be awesome at both and they were yeah, absolutely. And again, it was a lot of, in a lot of these games, uh, a lot of those bend but not break pitching performances. You, you, yep. you saw some of the, the well, I would say not particularly overpowering Charlie Morton starts, but he would kind of get out of innings, you know, 
that wasn't the best we've seen Kyle Wright this season, but he, again, he would battle through and get out of, you know, that's, I guess that's what I mean by like, you know, like the pitching wasn't always consistent. It's just that they, they, you know, they, they wouldn't, they didn't really have a lot of big innings uh, that really torpedoed, torpedoed them ever. Um, and, you know, obviously scoring seven or eight runs a game certainly helps the cause uh, and certainly takes some of the pressure off. You know, it's not like anyone's looking at what Ian Anderson's doing in the rotation right now and has a, a, a huge amount of confidence in what he's doing. But again, it was a lot of that, you know, they'd get a couple runners on, but they managed to get out of it. And that's an important thing to be able to do. Uh, and a lot of that's been some defensive work by, you know, guys throughout the, the lineup, but particularly Dansby and Michael Harris, who have been doing a really good job and doing some run prevention. And again, you just have to make those plays to, in order to put the sort of winning streak together. I don't think that we thought that the Braves were going to put together, you know, a 33, you know, win, win streak, but, you know, putting together 14, I'll, you know, a lot of things have to go right. And it starts with the offense. And I'm, I'm, you know, thoroughly convinced that's, you know, the biggest part of it, but, you know, the pitching has been good. The bullpen, you know, despite the injuries has, has performed um, even with some pieces that are not exactly who you would have drawn up on spring training, but they, you know, the bullpen has been good. The rotation has been doing their job for the most part. And that's been, it's, you put it all together and that's 14 straight games, which is really, really something to be proud of. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... One more time, 35 home runs in 14 games. That is a that was uh, wild that for, for the season, which never happened. But if that was the pace for the season, they would have a, they would have a, a, a team record by a lot, 405 home runs over the over the course of a season. Oh, that's a lot of home runs. Okay, before we get on to the weekend and beyond, Eric, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, Eric, we talked about it already a little bit, the loss on Friday and the loss on Saturday. Again, Friday was just like a one of, the, one of those games kind of thing. Um, but I will say, Charlie Morton was really good. And if you're trying to find some positivity from that loss, uh, nine strikeouts and seven innings, three hits, no walks. He looked like himself again, and maybe he was aided by the wind as the Cubs were and the glare as the Cubs were, but still it was good to see him pitch well. Uh, and, I mean, again, their only run of the game for the Cubs on either side was actually off of Minter, and it was kind of in a fluke fashion. But uh, I was encouraged by Morton because, obviously, he has not been himself for most of the season, and that was a start that he needed. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, I wish that he would, you know, break this annoying habit of his of hitting guys on their back foot constantly uh he certainly he certainly is a guy that will put runners on that way uh which is kind of a unique sort of problem but he was getting he was getting some bad swings i'm a little 
I'm a little skeptical of how good this particular start was because yeah. no one on either team could see the ball well. Like the conditions were favorable for pitching. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was. I mean, and it wasn't a particularly great pitcher that the Braves were up against, but no one seemed like they were seeing the ball well. It seemed like the wind, like everything that was hit in the air, just died. Um, so. You know, if the I, I if the if the wind wasn't even if the wind was blowing like half as hard, the Braves probably won that game five to one, right? So I'm not well, probably five to two because Wilson Contreras hit a ball that would have most certainly gotten out uh, if if that if it didn't instead of turn into like the one of the longest hit singles you'll probably ever see. So I'm I'm pretty sure that was on Friday. So you know, it was again, it was a weird game. I didn't lose much sleep over it, but again, Morton the stuff looked good, so that was certainly encouraging. But it wasn't a great game from the offense. I'm not, it wasn't something that I put too much thought. It was just one of those super weird games and not one that I, I mean, again, it's, you know, over the course of 15 games, you're going to have some weird games and, you know, that, 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 that was their first loss in June certainly felt bad in a lot of sense. Like this is the way they're really going to lose the streak, but at the same time, just, you know, things happen. So I wasn't super worried about it. Yeah, it was a can't predict ball kind of game. Even coming into the game, by the way, uh, this is Jesse Rogers of ESPN said this, but it was the first time a team on a double digit winning streak even faced a team on a double-digit losing streak in more than 20 years, and the team with the losing streak won. So that's one of those uh, crazy ones, and the Cubs are not very good at baseball. Um, Saturday was kind of the same thing in some respects, not quite the same conditions, but um, the batted ball data got tweeted around a lot. Uh, it was definitely in favor of the Braves, hit the ball a lot harder than the Cubs did the entire game, and it did not matter. Um, there were two extra base hits in the game. They were both from Adam Duvall, who homered and had a double, but he also had a crazy, weird – base running mishap where he just left the base eric i don't know what was going on there with adam duvall yeah but uh just a toot bland these things happen you this know. thing this things these things happen but uh kyle wright uh scott's favorite son and one of yours as well uh was not very good on saturday he get, he had 12 base runners allowed six innings which is not a good ratio if you do that one it's two every inning um this right got eight and he got unlucky in at times like kind of got bad bits in the way that most of the team did um we're not always on the apologist tour of Babbitt luck, but I think uh, the combination of Friday and Saturday and losing both of those games was not particularly fortunate. Yeah. And again, you know, you sometimes you hit the balls hard and they go straight into gloves and sometimes ground balls. I mean, like they weren't like, it wasn't, we've certainly seen games that were worse than this earlier in the oh, season, yeah, right? Sure. Where, where, but I mean, like, you know, it wasn't, they, they were just ground balls that just, you know, they were hit. Okay. They just, you know, they were hitting guys in places where there weren't gloves. So, and the, those, those things happen uh cups had cups had some pretty key hits wilson Contreras was kind of a problem all all weekend uh he had a good he had a good series so again not something i'm putting a lot of stock in i always want to keep an eye on kyle wright though just because he is a guy that um especially when he gets base runners he historically has had issues now he's been better this year but it, cer- it certainly seemed like in saturday's start where you know the base runners they were cashing in on a lot of those kind of some mistakes even if the even if it wasn't you know like giving up bombs or, you know, getting knocked around or anything like that. He was still, he still struck out a bunch of guys. So not something I'm again, going to kill him for, but at the same time, he's always a guy that I kind of make sure I keep an eye on in terms of like how his performance, particularly with the, the, you know, second, third time through an order and with base runners on, you know, is he going to be a guy that can continue to, you know, get out of those situations where he has a runner or two on. And unfortunately on Saturday, that wasn't the case. And the offense certainly didn't do him, you know, favors a ton of favors with only scoring three runs, you know, to try to pick him up a little bit. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, weird series and Wrigley that was playing really small. And, you know, again, Wilson Contreras played well and they've had some guys that were, you know, got some hits. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Villar was a bit of an issue at, at times for the Braves too. So again, nothing, 
nothing to necessarily draw too many conclusions on, but, you know, in terms, in Wright's case, he's a guy that I always keep an eye on in terms of, you know, what he's doing when he finds himself in trouble. Yeah, and the Contreras Bowl that happened this weekend, it's worth noting, uh, the brothers playing each yep, other. Yep, it was yep. fun. Um, Sunday was a lot more like it. Um, they breezily win 6 nothing today. Um, still have not lost three in a row all season long. That's a positive thing that good teams avoid losing streaks. That's good to see. A um, couple of home runs that were big in this one. Travis Arno had a monster blast right out of the gate that actually ended up being the game winner. It was through a home run in the first inning. 433 feet, that ball was hammered. Um, and then Michael Harris... Again, Homer today and Matt Olson, you referenced earlier, but had three doubles today. He now leads Major League Baseball with 27 doubles. As much as Olson does not seem like he's been in a great groove this year because he hasn't been, um, him having a bad half season is still a 122 WRC plus. So there's that. Well, yeah, um, I'm not sure if he's still on pace to break the single season doubles record anymore, but he, he is was, after today. After today, he's back. Okay, he, was he wasn't until he, today, but he, now he is again. Um, yep. Uh, something to keep an eye on. That'd be fun. I would say it probably doesn't happen because I think he's going to hit more home runs is the thing. Like that's the thing about Matt Olson is like, you, you don't want the doubles, you don't want the doubles uh, all-time record by hitting home runs. And he only has eight home runs. I will take, I will take a strong over on him hitting more than eight the rest of the season. Like he's going to have probably hit like yeah. 20 more. I don't know. Something like that. So we'll see. Yeah. Also, you know, that record's like, you know, however many it's a lengthy one, but it would well, still be cool. Yeah. And he's, 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 he's been better than two. Good. Yeah. Go I was going to say, like, it's um, the reason why he's hitting more doubles is because his, like, his logic was lower. And, like, I don't know if that matters long term or whatever. If there's something weird with his swing or something, but, like, it's kind of ironic because he's been seen as, like, this home run hitter, which he is. I mean, he had a lot of home runs last year in Oakland. He's been hitting a lot, but, like, he was a guy who didn't have a whole, he didn't have a doubles profile, let's just say. For, so for him to do this for, you know, working on three months now of just, like, being a double machine. Is not what we thought. Like we talked about him hitting a bunch of homers in the chop house, and that hasn't really happened. But the doubles still count for something. They're just not quite as not quite as good as home runs, but his numbers still look fine. And even though he's he's having a pretty bad June so far, maybe today is a wake up call for him and he gets going. I don't know. Yeah, and again, he's a guy that hits the ball hard. He's a guy that, especially with the way just the offense is playing, you know, I'm sure he's pressing a bit, and you can kind of get yourself in those ruts too. Like when you're not playing well, you try to do more than you should. Uh, and you're trying to hit home runs, and that kind of turns into a whole situation. We've seen that with a bunch of guys in the Braves lineup. We've seen it with Dansby basically every year of his career. He has a stretch where he does that. Ozzie Albies had the, does the same thing, even Ronnie. So, you know, Ronnie did not have a good week this week. You know, we, that's not a name we mentioned this week, right? Because he's not been in a particularly, you know. He, he also had some pretty effect. hilariously, like, loud outs, like a bunch of, like, just rockets at people this week, which is typical. But uh, also, you know. I feel like every time I looked up, there was somebody tweeting about Ronnie and, and a, uh, an exit velocity that was an out. <laughs> it was like, one yeah, of those. yeah, it was one of the Cubs games. He had like, you know, 104 miles an hour, expected batting average of 830, and it was a flyout, right? And that, 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 was, that, that was a bit of how Wrigley was playing this, uh, on fr- particularly on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and, you know, some of that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, we've certainly seen him hit, have plenty of loud outs. I don't I don't think he's off by much. I'm sure he's going to be great. But No, he's fine. Uh, and, and he actually had two singles today. Um, but only only one extra base hit in the last week plus. So that's kind of what it is. It's not that it's the power hasn't been there, but again, uh, no one's worried about Ronald Kenya. If you are, then we're about something else. <laughs> it would be my, would be my, my <laughs> pretty, he's he is certainly not part of the problem. Now, you know, your your DH not being particularly great uh, lately. That's something worth wondering about and then you know wondering what's gonna, Orlando RC is gonna do. That's it's only something. gonna get louder when you hear people every time now that 
um, while Bill Contreras is not in the lineup um, at DH when Darno is catching, people get mad. And it's like, yeah. it's only, it's only going to get louder as long as Ozuna is not hitting. So, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, and it was a pretty big for me and Anderson to actually have a good, uh, good outing because he, yeah, he has been very, at best, he's been very iffy. He's uh, just been kind of, of fine. And like, I don't know what it is. I feel like we talk about this all the time, but like, I don't, I just don't, I don't have a good feel about like the actual baseline of Ian Anderson. I just don't like, I know he's been good in the playoffs and I know he's had some highs and highs, but like, I don't know, like, even with the start today, his ERA is like in the mid fours, which is fine. But his walk rate's up this year to like four per nine. And I don't know. Uh, he, he looked good today. I agree. Uh, I just don't know what his baseline is supposed to be. And I feel like this is like a regular topic on the podcast, but I, I don't know. Like he's not, he's not an ace. That's for sure. At least not right now. Um, but like, is he no. like a four starter? I don't, I don't know what he is. It's not a bad thing necessarily, but when um, for better or worse, and you know, this anytime you're a top, three overall pick in the draft and you have success when you're 21 22 in the majors people think that you're just going to be a star and maybe he's just not a star maybe he's just fine and that's there's value in that but maybe he's just fine yeah it just all comes down to his command of you know his pitches like if he have as all three of his pitches he's actually commanding them the issue is just like he'll get big pitch counts early in games uh, we've just seen those early innings where just like it just feels like the first or second inning just will never end. You know, have those you know seven or eight bats at bats where you know he's not fooling them with the fastball, he's not getting swings and messes with it. Uh, you know, the, the the curve is drifting over, or he can't throw it for strikes and things like that. And when he you know he will have those outings where he just doesn't last very long, but then he also has those outings where he you know <laughs> throws six shutout innings like he did today, or throwing no hitters in the in the pole season and stuff like that. So. He's capable of it. I think that your read on him is probably right. He's probably just a good fourth starter. And to be blunt, that is not a bad outcome for a pitching prospect whatsoever. No, not at all. But so he's just, and I, I don't, it's not even bagging on him, but he certainly has some, and it does seem to be command related stuff where he's just not, you know, he's, it's just, he, sometimes he's just not as dialed in. And when he's not dialed in, he's not the guy who, he, he's not fooling the other team. He's not getting the swings out of the zone. He's not getting those chases. Um, and in that case, you know, he can get, he, his walks can go up and it's just been a struggle for him this year. I'm, I, but today was a good start. So hopefully will, he can kind of figure out what he was doing right and what he was doing wrong uh, from this start and previous starts and just kind of continue to enable that. Cause I think that at the end of the day, he's a good Ford starter on a good team. And that's a good, that's, that's a perfectly fine outcome with any pitching prospect. Yeah, and it, could, and it could be better than that still, too. I mean, he's still 24. Like, he's got some room still. Sure. No one should be bailing on Ian Anderson's upside, necessarily. It's just that that's kind of what he's been so far. And good start today, for sure. Um, okay, so that, that wraps the week. Obviously, they are five and a half games behind the Mets, which is a lot, but also is not ten and a half games, which is where they were a couple weeks ago. So a lot of that ground has been made up, but half of it at this point in time. Uh, a pretty huge week ahead that we'll get to in a second, but I do want to stop. You, you sort of – plugged it earlier but you wrote about Dansby this week and another reminder like through today he has a 130 WRC plus and he's almost been worth three wins already um he had a nine he's got a 994 OPS in June so far completely sustainable yep yep yeah I mean it's it's not but like he's been so good like he's been their best player this season it's it's is what it is but I don't know if it's going to continue but Every week we do this, I feel like, where it's like, all right, Dansby's still hot, and he's still hot right now. Like, he has a sizable lead still on Riley for number two in Fangraph's war on the Braves. And, like, it's – I mean, it didn't get any smaller today when Dansby did more stuff at the plate, and, like, he's still raking, and his defense has been great all year long. And 
I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, uh, I recommend people listen, uh, sorry, listen to, uh, people read your piece, but I mean, it's, uh, it's been a star turn for Dansby. I'm not sure if it's going to continue again, but like, we're almost halfway through the season and he's performing. I don't know. Like, okay, Eric, let's put it this way. If this, if the all-star break was today, he'd be an all-star in the national league, like very clearly. So yeah, it's purely on merit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On like on his performance this year only, like it is, that's, and that's what it should be. But like, let's just say it plainly. Like, if the Braves had to pick one All Star right now on the roster this season, it it stands be he's been MVP this year, which is it's insane. But it's that's true. It's but I mean, Ronnie's still a better player. No one's saying otherwise. But Ronnie missed thirty games. Like, and Matt Olson's just been okay. So like, I, I guess you could say Riley. But if you look at the numbers, like I think Dansby's been better. It's crazy. Yeah, it's been pretty wild, and it's actually led. I was talking to Ivan a little bit. You know, just privately and as that often happens once he and I start talking it turns into an article uh is that one of the things that we just never talk about uh we we used to talk I mean it was a different different caliber of player here but you know we talked about Freddie's contract extension whether or not he was going to be a brave after last year obviously that turned into a whole thing but um Dancy's a free agent after this year and we started talking a little bit uh, start talking a little bit about what his next contract's going to look like and he is right now making himself a whole bunch of money and you know, to not spoil it too much, um, I, I did an informal poll of the, the staff, staff here at Battery Power, and we, you know, Ivan ran a bunch of numbers as to kind of what we look like in terms of what contracts have been handed out, particularly to shortstops that perform well, uh, at both at Dansby's level and higher, um, because, you know, for what Dansby has been the last year's, year's, few years versus what he's been this year are very different things. Um, but I will say this, I will be very surprised if Dansby Swanson does not sign a nine-figure deal with some team this offseason and the folks who were tweeting at me saying you know he should take 575 and be happy about it uh and take a hometown discount i am simply saying you should prepare yourself for disappointment but make sure you check out that article it was uh, from a few days ago on the site uh the title is pay that dan be his money uh nice little nice little rounders reference uh hat tip to ivan for coming up with the title i basically Chris hated it for SEO purposes, but uh, we managed to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you take that article. Make sure you get that article to read. That sounds uh, appropriate on all, on all fronts. Um, but no, that, that, that's a good piece. And yeah, I mean, there's a, we'll probably save it for a, for a downtime in the content cycle, but I, there is a whole discussion to be had about Dansby's contract and what he is worth, what he might get, um, whether this season should be valued differently than other seasons. Uh, there's that whole nuanced conversation that we could probably have some other time, but yeah, he's uh, in line for a lot of money. It just continues. Let's just say that for sure. Um, last thing before we get to the look ahead, um, as of this recording, the 13 pitcher rule is supposed to finally happen on Monday after we've teased it a couple of times before it's got pushed back. Um, the Braves have to make a move of some kind. They've been carrying 14 pitchers as most teams have been. Now they can't do that anymore as of tomorrow. It seems like, there are two candidates to not be on the, on the roster, on the active roster anymore after, after tomorrow. And it, for me, it's, it's Cruz and Dylan Lee. Um, maybe you disagree with me. Um, and if you don't, uh, where do they go in terms of who they call up? Because famously they don't have a ton of great options in terms of position players, but they have to call somebody up as a position, a position player from the 40 man um, and literally have to do it by tomorrow. Yeah. You know, this is one of those decisions that I'm not, I, the, the who you lose is more important than who you bring up because, you know, with the DH, you know, whoever's coming up is just not going to play a whole lot uh, unless something bad happens. Uh, but you do lose a pitcher. And I think that having that 14th pitcher has been 
very helpful for the Braves in terms of managing their bullpen, uh, who they can run out there in garbage time and things like that to kind of conserve innings because the the guys that they really count on, they've, you know, they're limited. You know, Tyler Matzik is, you know, he is out with an injury. Luke Jackson is not going to be back this year after Tommy, Tommy John, you know, they, the bullpen doesn't have those kind of those super as many reliable arms. Uh, some guys have performed well, and that's been great. Jackson Stevens is probably one of the most, you know, underappreciated you know stories of this entire season what he's been able to do coming in and you know just coming back to the majors out of nowhere and turning into actually a pretty important piece of the, of the Braves bullpen uh but for me it seems it's like it's come down to Jesus Cruz uh who was kind of a bit of a surprise call up from the minor leagues to begin with um and then maybe sending him down seems to make a whole lot of sense they're not bringing him in in situations that you're necessarily think they have the most confidence in him um uh, or Dylan Lee. Uh, those are two guys that I think would be the two, the two options that are most likely to get sent down. Uh, in terms of who's comes up, uh, I have uh, talked to Brad offline and I'm fairly confident that it won't be Drew Waters to start his uh, service box <laughs> one, 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 because uh, he has, Drew, Drew hasn't been particularly good. Is, no. is, is the biggest thing. The, it, the nice thing is that he's got that strikeout rate down to below 20% uh, over the course of uh, an extended trip. The other problem is that the problem is he hasn't really done that much else other than that that's been positive. Well, and um, you, you don't you don't start the clock for a guy who's going to not play, and he won't play. Exactly. And, like, you know, so that you have guys who are waiver wire claims like Mike Ford, who is a first base slash DH only option, and he hasn't really hit at all in um, in, in Gwinnett. Uh, Kramer Robinson's been pretty good. He's another waiver wire claim. But my money's on Travis Demerit. They've already called him up once. They'll have – gives him another – guy who might actually do something if they need a bat um he's yeah, certainly I mean, not a guy you bring in defensively but that's kind of where my money is yeah and he was he was famously in a tailspin after a hot start like he that he kind of just forced their hand to to send him down because he had been so bad for like i don't know a few weeks but he had that he had the red hot start and that was useful and obviously helpful for the Braves at that time because they needed all the offense they can get um i'd probably guess that was what they're going to do because he's already been up i, I do think it'd be interesting to see if they would call up a third catcher, if they had one, but they don't have one on the 40 man and they're not going to make a 40 man move. I wouldn't think so. Um, yeah. It's one of those four guys you would think demerit. I mean, not, it's not gonna be water. So one of the three guys between demerit, Mike Ford, Graham Robertson, not great uh, options, but again, this is kind of the thing about the having the DH is like when they make you carry another position player, that guy's not going to be very good generally on most teams. And I think, and I only say third catcher because of Snickers tendencies, not, not because it's a good idea, but just because of who he is. And he probably would like to have that insurance to, to quote unquote, let him DH Contreras more. But um, yeah, I don't know. These guys are very good. <laughs> so we'll see. What <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, if you're looking at like a non 40 man option, it would be like a Pat Valaika or somebody, someone who's actually been doing something at the plate of Gwinnett versus. Yeah. Know, I'm, I don't know. And, 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 and I just, I don't see a 40 man. Like they have guys in the 40 man that frankly, I'm not like super like, oh man, what would happen if they DFA that? No, guy? they, they can move on for somebody they need to for sure. And I think uh, Chris and Steven talked about it a little bit, but they do have a decision to make when, when uh, Rosario is back, because once he's back, they kind of have an overflow in the outfield and they don't have a backup infielder that they like, because you would think naturally speaking, the guy to be off the roster would be Goslin. But like maybe it's just whoever they bring up now is who they really get rid of when they get rid of a guy to bring that, back Rosario. That, that's what I would think. Yeah. So yeah, I mean we'll see. But anyway, that's what they have to do tomorrow. So we'll keep an eye on that, and don't be surprised if you see a, a swap of a reliever for a position player, even if it's not a great position player option. Okay. So a big week ahead, as we discussed, five and a half games behind the Mets, um, and the schedule has been comically easy. Uh, they've played twenty nine straight games. 
against teams below 500 when the game happened. That's a long time. That's a month plus. Um, they went 21 and eight. That's a good record against those teams, yep. but that all changes this week. So they play the Giants for four games. The Giants are good. And then they play the Dodgers three games next weekend. And of course, that is Freddie Freeman's return to Atlanta for the first time. They played, of course, in Los Angeles this season already, but Freddie's coming back for the first time. And I'm interested with, with what the reaction is to his return. Um, also of note for the Dodgers, uh, Mookie Betts is on the IL, so he's not going to make the trip to Atlanta, at least not in a, in a uniform. Um, so we've been giving some pseudo projections of what they were going to do the last couple of weeks. Um, just to say, these are two good teams they're playing against. They are playing at home, but uh, what's realistic here, Eric? Um, like for me, like four and three would be a nice outcome this week. I'm not sure that's going to be great for everybody else, but I would take four and three and run if I had to. What's in your mind? Yeah, these are both pretty good teams. I do think that the Giants continue to kind of play above their heads a little bit uh, in terms of just what I think their talent level is. But Less than last year but, so far. <laughs> well, well, that, well, that's just it, right? Like, you know, at some point, that's just who they are. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's a lock that Jock Peterson's going to hit a ball that's not going to land. Um, oh, I didn't, I didn't think about uh, that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so, so – uh, and he's hitting the, the, ton, the, the, the crap out of the ball out there in San Francisco. So let's go ahead and brace yourselves for some, you know, some Jock Peterson. We should have brought him back talk. Oh God. Um, he is a, he is a one for in a number of Yeah, he's, 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 he's having quite the year. Oh no. Just, just, just brace yourself, just brace yourself oh, for those mentions, Bradley. No. Um, um, so, uh, but the giants uh, just by the raw numbers have been very, very similar to the Braves this year. Um, so I think that the split against them is a, hopeful outcome um to get to where you want to be where it's a four and three record that means that you have to win a series against the dodgers uh not having mookie Betts, who is having quite the season certainly helps the cause however then we have old friend freddie freeman coming back and you know pretty famously the only home the most of the power that he's had this year at least in terms of home runs what came against the braves when they're in uh los angeles so you know it's not like it's a parky doesn't know how to hit home runs and so it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough week and it's going to show a lot about this team in terms of how you know how well they pitch them they've certainly played well against the Dodgers before the series that earlier this year was actually a fairly close one and they I think that how do I put it I, I don't think that it's a complete mismatch I don't think the Dodgers are playing their particularly at their best right now so it's entirely possible that they can win that series it's nice that it is at home the Braves have been playing pretty well at home this year uh, I'm with you. I think that a four and three week against these two teams that I do think are good, even if I'm a little bit skeptical that what the Giants is doing are doing will stick, but they're playing pretty well right now. And again, four and three would be a good outcome. The, you know, the, the big thing here is that, you know, I don't think either of these teams are particularly excited to see the Braves right now, considering no. the way the offense is playing. So that, you know, these are two teams that can pitch and certainly have, very, very good players on it, but you know, this is an offense that can keep up with anybody. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this week doesn't go particularly well, but I am kind of in the same level of surprise that the Braves could do really well. And if, but if they do, I think it's because the offense carries them. Yeah, I mean, I know the only game that has odds now, of course, is Monday's game, and that's uh that's Max Freed at home, and the Braves are favored in that game as they should be. Um, but you got Strider on Tuesday and then Morton Wright Anderson from there, and then back to Freed on Saturday. Um, Strider on Sunday. By the way, there are three national games this week. Uh, TBS on Tuesday, then Fox National in primetime on Saturday, and then ESPN Sunday Night Baseball on Sunday. So this is a primetime focus national kind of environment here for the Braves over the next seven days. Not a huge surprise with Dodgers in town on Sunday, but uh, let's just say there'll be a lot of um, people. I, I know ten of, uh, Braves fans, at least a certain kind of, kind of Braves fan, tends to hate these broadcasts. 
because they are quote unquote against the Braves. Uh, so prepare yourself for that as well on Saturday and Sunday, especially with the Dodgers in town, um, Fox and ESPN. It's going to be ugly. That's just what happens in those in those spots. But um, also Thursday is an afternoon game if you want to get out to the ballpark. It's a it's a twelve twenty, and the NBA drafts that day. So I don't know what I'm going to do in life, but that'll be a very very busy. You just you just don't get to sleep, Brad. This is what's going to happen. Yeah, basically that's the case. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we are at this point in time. Braves have made up a lot of ground. Um, they are now. I mean, they're favored to make the playoffs. That was kind of always the case by them by those projection systems. They're still an underdog in the division by nature of the five and a half game deficit. The Mets have been okay. Um, not as good as they were early in the season, but certainly been okay so far. Um, but look, I mean, they're still in a totally fine position. I believe, yeah, I'm looking at this now. The Braves are uh, in a tie for the second wild card spot at the moment with the Giants, ironically, who they, who they start playing on Monday. So that'll be interesting. And uh, they're totally fine. I mean, Eric, stop me if you heard this before, but it, it helps to win 14 games in a row. It, it certainly helps the cause. Uh, they are, uh, they, you know, how they got here now, if you had told me before the season that at this mark they would have the record that they have, uh, that is a perfectly reasonable thing to assume. Now the, the journey has been quite the journey uh, to get there. Uh, <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, right, right now, you know, if you told me this is the record the Braves would have, then that'd be something that be, I'd be perfectly fine with. Uh, and, you know, color me skeptical that, you know, until the Mets actually can close the deal on a division lead, when they have historically, or at least in the last several years, have frankly not come close to doing so. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But, you know, for, for now, the bets are playing reasonably well. Uh, I'm very interested to see how those division games go once these two teams get matched up and, you know, the Braves are playing well. So overall, you know, it's, this is going to be a, this is an important week because you're coming off, you did exactly what they needed to do against some really bad teams going 21 and eight in that stretch. When, we, when you and I talked a month ago, uh, I we identified this stretch that they have to make up a bunch of ground and they did. So now that they have, let's see what they can do from here. Yeah, and just don't give it all back basically. But uh, to your point about the record being accept- acceptable for get out of here, um, they are on a 92 win pace right now, which is I think below where people were hoping they would be, but also like firmly in the reasonable range for this team. So like, yep, that is what. That's what they are so far, and uh, it's been a roller coaster ride. But their run differential looks totally fine. Their record looks totally fine. They're healthy, other than Ozzy, and uh, they're in good shape. So there you go, Eric. Uh, before we get out of here, please plug anything you got going on. You got to talk about the piece with Ivan, but what else you got going in life, Road to Atlanta, etc. Uh, right now, it's a lot of draft work. You know, in terms of preparation, we're going to obviously we've been covering all the mock drafts. Uh, they seem like they cover the same two names over and over again, which tells me that they don't actually know who the Braves are in on. Um, and frankly, at pick twenty, it's pretty impossible to predict. But uh, we're going to be kind of doing some positional stuff, thinking about the guys that we would like with that first round pick, talking about some other guys we like. That's going to be coming out. Uh, we're certainly going to be talking, start talking about that on Road to Atlanta, which you can find on this very podcast feed tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the guys that have been connected to the Braves, a couple guys that we like as well that maybe haven't been connected to them yet, but we're kind of crossing our fingers that the Braves will end up liking and are available. Uh, so we're going to start doing that draft coverage on road to Atlanta tomorrow. Uh, and you're going to start seeing more articles about the draft other than just, you know, what mock drafts say or who the Braves are going to pick uh, in the coming weeks for sure. Yeah. I recommend that at the highest level. Um, this is a podcast network that is very busy and growing. Of course, this is the flagship show with 350 plus episodes but we have as we just talked about road to atlanta on the minor league side we have the daily hammer with sean coleman which is uh, indispensable in the middle of the week three four five times a week 
churning out these uh, game recaps and, and analysis that uh, Sean's great at. And then also the, the new show with Chris and Steven, which is again, still yet to be named, but uh, they are both very, very smart and out and sort of analytically driven people. And wall to wall coverage about the Atlanta Braves on this podcast feed. So please leave a five star review and a rating, uh, all that fun stuff. Please subscribe, tell your friends, um, steal someone's phone and subscribe to the podcast on their yes, phone and auto download yes, it as well. That's always something we wouldn't, wouldn't jump Give back the phone after, but yes. But uh, do your do your best or your worst, whatever you want to say about that. And also read BatteryPower.com. Eric, thank you for joining me. And uh, as for everybody else, we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.